thank you so much. It's great to be here with you and um, real, real privilege to be here. Listen, the accent's Bolton. For those of you trying to work it out, I could feel some of you going, what is that? Um, but the grandmother's from Abergavenny. All right, so I am as British as you come. My grandmother's Welsh, my grandfather is Scottish, and I was born in Bolton. I'm just, I decided I was British and be done with it. Um, just great to be with you. And I'd forgotten that phone. I'd, I, I knew I made the phone call, but I forgot, I'd forgotten it was the next day. And, um, you know, it's funny what happens. Sometimes you just need someone, don't you? Sometimes we just need someone to turn up at the right time, at the right moment. They don't have to do a lot, but they just have to be there. And the power of being there is part of why we gather. It's part of why we do Sunday church and not just watch online. Like, online church was a necessary evil. We made it through by doing online church, but boy, is it great to be in the room again. And isn't it nice to be... uh, free in the face and um and um, we were looking at we were we were I was looking at the diary and I was looking at the uh, the Welsh legislation I'm thinking to myself come on Mr Beresford pull your finger out when I get to Newbridge I would like to be mask free and he did that for me so I'd like to thank him for doing that that was brilliant really really good uh, let me just say thank you so much for your giving for the ukraine uh, we haven't announced this yet so let me announce it to you first assemblies of god churches have given just over 160,000 pounds which is just we we haven't gone public on it yet because the, the the money's still coming in in fact we think we'll have another amount this week from people doing offerings this sunday and uh, we've never had an offering like that in the history of the movement and um, we're just we're over the moon with the response and the heart of our churches in doing this so uh, as gareth said uh, kirk our missions director flew out thursday flew back friday he actually i was supposed to be in krakow myself he took my tickets and um, he flew out, he did, he went, he saw um, three refugee camps on the border, and then he went to visit um, five Assemblies of God churches in Poland, in Warsaw, uh, and down on the border that are supporting refugees, and uh, it's phenomenal to be able to not just collect money, but put it into practice, because uh, we haven't collected it to say well done to ourselves. We've collected it to transform lives. So, you know, thank you again for doing that. Um, And can I say how brilliant it is to be here? Like, really brilliant. Um, When I heard uh, on the grapevine that these guys were moving to Newbridge, I was over the moon. Uh, I was over the moon because I've known Hannah a long time. And, uh, and uh, in fact, Hannah's sister lived with us for a while uh, when we were living in London. So we, we do know them really well. And thrilled that they were coming back here to be a part of community and transformation of community. Uh, you've done real well. Let me tell you, some assemblies of God churches don't have as good a pastors as you have. Oh, you're not bothered. Okay. <laughs> Well, if you'd like me to ship them out and ship someone else in, we can do a deal later. Um, but no, honestly, you've got brilliant, brilliant pastors. And can we just put our hands together for them, for all that they're doing, just doing such a good job. And you know what? They hate this. And, and that's why I like to do it. Because they just sit and go, oh, please don't do that. And I go, no, because honor is right. We wouldn't think twice about standing to our feet if the queen walked into the room. Honour is built into who we are as people. 
Well, it's so good to be. Let me open the Bible for you before somebody says he's not even opened the Bible yet. I don't want to get into any trouble with anyone. That would get me in trouble, mostly with my wife. So um, you want to turn your Bible to Genesis chapter 32 if you've got it with you. And I hope you do bring a Bible. I don't mind if it's electronic, but I do hope you do bring a Bible to church. And I'm going to talk from this in a moment. Uh, we have a dog. I don't know about else. Anyone dog lovers? Dog lovers in the house? Any cat lovers in the house? Wow, okay, no, I don't do cats. Cats, there's something, something in the Bible about it, I'm sure. Um, and, and our dog is called Sam. Now, I really wanted to call him Colin. I wanted to call him Colin because I like the idea of making one of my kids stand on a field shouting for Colin. Um, that, that was the only reason, and nobody went with me, so we called him Sam, but his real name, because he's pedigree, he's a pedigree Labrador retriever, his real name is Lord Samuel of Light. It's a brilliant name. It's absolutely brilliant. We didn't even name him. That came back from the kennel club. We're like, really? Okay. We'll call him Sam. And, um, and, and we, we have him, and so you get that. But, you know, names mean things. Uh, my name's Stuart, and I am Stuart Andrew Keir. And, um, and that means, it literally means the servant strongman of the Black Castle. That is what my name means. My full name. That's what it means. Uh, my wife's called Julie. Julie, meaning, and I wrote this down because I thought this was great. Youthful, soft-haired, and beautiful. Hey? Hey? Yeah. Hannah. Hannah means grace and favor. That's okay. Gareth, you know what it means? Gentle. Hey? So, some of us live up to our names, and, and some of us don't. It is amazing, though how when you read the Bible, people get defined in a moment. And just in a moment, a name shapes someone's world. We're going to talk about Jacob today. We're going to open up those passages around it. But if you know the story of Jacob and Esau, you know that Jacob got named for an action he did before he was even born. That is ridiculous, isn't it? Before he's taken a breath in the world, his name has been put on him, and then he spends most of his early life living down to that name. What we are called and what we call ourselves determines the way we live. That's why I love that you guys went for a new name for the life of the church. Because for too often, we name churches based on a simple geography. But actually, we want to make the name the declaration of what we believe we're about. We call our church, our church is called Audacious Church. And um, everybody says to us, that's bold. Well, it is. It was bold. It means bold. It means daring. And we thought to ourselves, if we're going to go for it, we might as well put it out there before we even do anything, that this is the type of church we're going to be. We wanted to make that declaration. And so for you, to make that declaration, this is about life. Because that's what Revive is. Revive is about breathing life into something that's not got life. And the whole of our faith is about making that declaration to those who are dead in their sin, that there is life to be had. And if you come to this place, because that's what you're saying with your name. If you come to this place, you are going to encounter life 
and life in all of its fullness. Not a little bit of life. Because God doesn't do it. You, you don't have a little bit of life. You either have life or you don't. And God is calling us to make those declarations. So I want to encourage you today. We're going to get into living up to your name. Because sometimes people do make a name for themselves. Let me give you two names and see what you think. Dominic Cummings. Anybody want to check the glasses? It's amazing what one name does in shaping just one action, one name, suddenly different. You take a name like Dr. Martin Luther King. You think a whole different set of things. My Welsh grandmother brought me up. I was, only allowed, I was, I was okay to support England in football, but I wasn't allowed to support England in rugby. <laughs> she was ridiculously strict about it, to the point she would phone us during internationals to make sure... It's absolutely true. It's absolutely true. So I literally grew up thinking that the Welsh rugby team was the team that everybody in England supported. And my grandmother was very happy with that. <laughs> so I hear the name, the three letters JPR, and I think certain things because my childhood comes alive to me. Or I hear the name Gareth, the other one, right? And I think, <laughs> woof, that sparked something inside me. Why? Because names carry meaning. And they carry memory in them as well. Because you think of someone who's gone, but you hear their name, and all that memory comes flooding back in just a moment. Why? Because God has designed us that way. Genesis chapter 25, I'll start there. When the time came for her to give birth, there were twin boys in her womb. The first to come out was red. And his whole body was like a hairy garment. So they named him Esau, meaning red. I mean, it ain't, it ain't rocket science naming this. Naming, naming him Esau. After this, his brother came out with his hand grasping Esau's heel. So he was named Jacob. Jacob meaning the one who grasps the heel. Brilliant. It's brilliant. Grasp the heel. Oh, it means the deceiver, the supplanter, that at his birth he finds himself named this way and then we watch him live like that. We watch him steal his brother's birthright by sneaking himself in. We watch him steal everything that Esau could have possibly inherited. Jacob stole by sliding in and pretending or deceiving and living up to his name. Then he moves away and, and, and his father sends him, or his mother sends him away. And she sends him away. And then everything he does is deception. Until he meets a bigger deceiver than he is. Because eventually if you live down to your name, you'll meet someone who will take you further down. And he lives like that. And in the midst of all of that, he, he has this bizarre circumstance where he gets married twice in two days. With only one mother-in-law. I guess that's why he probably worked that. If there had been two mother-in-laws, he might have thought about it more. But with only one mother-in-law, he finds himself married twice in two days. Yet he's got to work for 14 years to keep the two women. I mean, it's a, it's a strange scenario. There's some parts of the Bible you read and you do think to yourself, what? And if you don't... <laughs> you might need to look at your own family it's interesting when you read those things and you think you think what is that about and it shaped it 
And so you get there and he eventually leaves to go back to the land that God has promised him. And on the journey back to the land, he realizes, I am going to have to face Esau. And when I face Esau, all of my past is about to catch up to me. Let's pick it up in Genesis chapter 32, verse 22. And this is how we read this. That night, Jacob got up, took his two wives, his two female servants, and his 11 sons, and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. After he'd sent them across the stream, he sent over all his possessions. And Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him till daybreak. And when the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. And the man said, let me go for it is daybreak. And Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. The man asked him, what is your name? Jacob, he said. And the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel. Because you have struggled with God and with humans and you have overcome. And Jacob said, tell me your name. And he replied, why do you ask my name? And then he blessed him there. I find it amazing that in the same action to a different person, Jacob's name changes. He held on to Esau's heel and he was named a deceiver. He held on to God and he was named Israel. It's not what he did, it's why he did it. And sometimes people are so caught up with what we've done or where we're from or what we've called that they miss what it is that God's put on our lives to do. One of the privileges of my life is that I get to be in and out of Parliament uh, very often. Um, with, that, with lockdown, it's obviously slowed down, but it's the pace of it is picking up and I get to represent Assemblies of God in Parliament. I have to put on a suit and everything. My mother is thrilled. Um, and, and, and get to go and just sit in and talk and have conversations. So even yesterday, as we were at our Wales Area Day, uh, I'm in a text conversation with a senior civil servant working our way through what changes they can make to let Ukrainians into the country because they've realized how poorly they've handled it this week. And tomorrow, there'll be a big announcement. And attached to the announcement will be that the church is going to support it because we fought for something this week. Now, what happens is this. People hear an accent and they see a person and if I let them, I let them see me as the boy from Bolton. But that's not who I am. That's who I was. Jacob was the deceiver because he grasped his brother's heel. But now he's wrestled with God. And having wrestled with God and held on, who he is has changed. God looks at your life 
and we see the things that we come through, the challenges that we face, the issues that are in front of us, and how we wrestle with those define our lives more than where we were born, the name that was given to us, or the upbringing that we had. Because God sees in the midst of those wrestles, something shifts inside of you. Something supernatural changes when we persevere through the challenges of life holding on to God. The challenges come and, and they come and you know that because you've all done enough life to know that challenges come your way. It's not that you get challenges that is a measure of your spirituality. It's how you hold on to God in the middle of those challenges. It's what you believe about who God declares you are and who he says you are. It's what you believe about who he is in the midst of those challenges and how he works. When we recognize that, we realize that God didn't change his name because he's a good wrestler. God changed his name because he just held on. He held on long enough for blessing to come his way. He held on long enough for the change to come that meant everything was different. Because the day before, he is sending his family ahead to protect him. The next day, he catches up with his family, despite the limp that he receives from walking with God, he catches up, overtakes and meets Esau. What ha what's happened? Everything's happened. Because an encounter with God changes everything. When that moment that you first became a follower of Jesus, everything changed in that moment. Because you found that you were dead and now you're alive. That you were just existing but now you are living. That you discovered in that moment that something had shifted and something had changed. And the same happens whenever we have a Holy Spirit encounter with God. God changes you. So I want to encourage you, don't live for who you've been. Make a declaration over your own life. This is who I am and this is where I'm going. A few years ago, Julie and I were going to a wedding. And on the way to the wedding, we needed to drop into a sports shop. Decathlon Sport. It's like one of my favorite places in the world. You walk around it and you think to yourself, where else can you buy horse riding gear, archery, and a paddleboard in one place? This is amazing. I bought none of it, but I like the idea. I like buying sports equipment. I'm not that keen on using it, but owning it, I like, right? And so we go into Decathlon Sport, and I don't remember what we were buying. And we buy whatever we're buying, and we get to the till. And, and I am suited and booted, and I look good in a suit, and my wife is looking absolutely beautiful, youthful, fair hair, the whole thing, right? She is doing all of that. She looks stunning, and we're paying at a checkout. And this lady's just staring at us. And we're looking at the lady, and we're buying, I don't know what we're buying, you know, three, you know some stretch buttons. I have no idea what we're, we're buying something. We're looking at her, she's looking at us, and she says, who are you? Because nobody goes to decathlon sport dressed like we went when we went to decathlon sport. Who are you? Oh, I was tempted. I was really tempted. But my wife's much more holy than I am. She says, oh, we're on our way to Ah, oh. Because listen, if you dress 
for the circumstances others want you in, you limit yourself. But if you dress for where you're going, if you live the way that everybody else wants you to live, small life, lack of faith, not believing for the miraculous, not prepared to take a step outside of the normal, then you'll live like that. But when you live that other way, oh God, I'm believing for more. I'm believing there's a stretch of faith inside of me. Lord, I am believing for miracles. I'm going to pray for people to get healed. And when they don't get healed, I'll pray again. Lord, I'm going to, I'm going to believe that you're going to provide financially. I'm going to believe that my children are going to do more than we've ever done with our lives. Lord, I'm going to believe that our church is going to be so impactful. It's unbelievable. When you live like that, you're dressing for where you're going, not where you're living right now. I've got to say to you, Revive Church, you have the opportunity now to be the church the valleys need, not the valleys are used to. Because there's a certain style, and can I, can I talk to you as a valley boy? Can I? Can I take all of my inheritance and put it on the table right now, right? There is a style that people expect, not a style of music but a style of reach that people expect that hits boundaries called the next village and the next town, that, that hits limits. And you have a chance not to live as everybody else has lived, but to say, Lord, what do you want us to be? Because why should we live how people want to shape us when God wants to shape us differently? Jacob's mother named him. But it was his father, God, who declared who he really was. Listen, whatever you have been named before, however you have been shaped before, God is a greater father than the circumstances that shaped you and his shaping of you will change you much more than a name that's been put on you before. Suddenly we have a chance to be something and do something that no one else can do and no one else can be. See, Jacob had two choices. Number one, he puts his life on hold. Because he's got to meet his brother and he's got to see what happens there and he's got to find out how that's going to work. Or he just holds and I think it's too easy to press on hold. You ever had to do that? Phone up the telephone company or the gas company or the whoever and, you know, they tell you, this is what they say to you. I find this little phrase irritating. Your phone call is important to us. No, it's not. Because if it was, you'd employ more people to answer my phone call. Your phone call is important to us. You are number 75 in the queue. And you have no idea, is that gonna, what does that mean? What does that even mean? You can't see the queue. You don't know how quickly the queue's going down. Um, if, can I let this go just for a minute? Just, this might be good for me. This could be therapy, right? And you just think to yourself, what is, and you find it on hold. And then they play a piece of music. And then your phone call is important to us. You know how, you know how I mean. Sometimes life's like that. And we just do the same thing. 
We live in a loop. Just going to do the same thing again. Just going to go to the same places, eat at the same restaurants, go to the same place on holiday. Just going to do the same thing again. These are my colours. I'm an autumn. This is what I wear. I'm not an autumn. I have no idea what I am. I'm a whatever I feel like. All right, this is what I do. This is how I am. This is how I act. Because that's what I've been told is acceptable. And the God, the creator of the universe, the most expansively eccentric, colorful, creative one of all is your father. Like the, the one who's created the entire palette of color and colors we don't even see till we discover new ways to see them. The one who puts stars into space and the best we can do is, I really like that restaurant, I'll go back there. And then you go back there, this is the worst bit, you order the same thing. And then you do it, because well, it's just my favorite. What if there's something better? And we live the whole of our lives like that, but we don't call it like that. We call it, well, I've, I've just, it's, it's who I am and it's the comfort that I have. I want to challenge you not to go and find a new restaurant, but to live a bigger life. Because that's what you were designed for. In the fullness of all that God has for you. In the fullness of every idea that God could give you that is creative and colour-filled and life-filled. In the fullness of that, that's who you're called to be. That's church. Now we get that, not because we live on hold, but because we hold on. I hate roller coasters with a passion. When I was younger, it was okay. And then something inside of me changed. And I just can't do them. I get ridiculous motion illness. Can't do them. But I do know this. On those times when I have found myself having to go on something to keep a child happy, I'm holding on. I'm not trusting that this system works. I am holding on with everything I have got inside of me. Because the ride is about to get rough. And that's what we do. Jacob wrestles with God. And he just holds on. He just holds on. And I want to speak over as a church. Get ready for the ride. Get ready. Because this is going to turn some corners. It's going to go down. It's going to go up. It's going to flip over. It's going to go ways you don't think it's going to go. Hold on. Because what you want to do is be there at the end of the ride. You want to be there when you get to the point and everybody goes, yes, we did it. We came through all of those things and we did that together. What an amazing thing to do. Best story. My best story of my life involved needing two and a half million pounds. We were buying a building. We'd moved into the building. We were renting the building. We had all the finance set up to purchase the building and then the finance company with seven days to go changed its mind. We needed to find two and a half million pounds in seven days in cash. This is the exact conversation that went on between me and my senior pastor Glenn. He said, do you know anybody who's got two and a half million pounds in cash? 
And I said, no. <laughs> then I said to him, do you know anybody who's got, and he said, no. I said, I've got a better question. He said, what's your question? I said, do you know anybody who might know somebody who's got two and a half million pounds in cash? We wrote a list. We thought we knew four people. We phoned them. We phoned those four people. One of them says, I think I do know somebody. Give me five minutes. He phoned one person. This is the, we're now at someone we have never met. We've never even heard of this person. This person says, oh, that's interesting. I might be interested in that. Would they come and meet me? Well, yeah. I mean, wouldn't you? We didn't even ask, where is he? We just said yes. Then we said, oh, where is he? So it turned out he was a few hours away from us. I won't tell you which direction because pastors pay real attention to this sort of thing, right? And, 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 and so we went to see this guy, right? We turn up at this guy and we meet him, we meet him at, at a church building that he attends. And, you know, he tells us, you know, he tells, tells your story, so we tell him our story. We've got all the financials ready to wow him, wow him. We're going to wow him. I said, do you want this? No, I'm not interested. Right, right. He says, do you want to go out for lunch? Sure. Like the thought of food right now is just making me, you know, you don't want to eat at that point, do you? And you're like, sure, we go out for lunch, we go out for lunch this guy. We have lunch with this guy. And he says, so it's been great meeting you. Speak soon. Drive away. We're in the car. Glenn says, what do you think? He says, I've got no idea. I said, do you, you, you get any good feeling? He says, I've got nothing. Do you know the worst bit? We paid for lunch. Well, if you're two and a half million down, you might as well keep going. So, so we pay for lunch and we, 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 we drive away and our solicitor phones. How'd it go? We don't know how it went. We've no idea. Don't know. We've now got about three days to go before we get to it, right? Three days. His assistant phones me and says, I've got a couple of questions for you. He asked me two technical questions on our account. I said, okay. He says, all right, thanks. Puts the phone down. Glenn goes, what do you think? I said, I don't know. He just asked me two questions. We need the money in the bank at half past five on Christmas Eve. No, day before Christmas Eve, sorry. Day before Christmas Eve, 23rd. At 10 past five, he phones me up and he says, hey, I'm depositing the money right now. Two and a half million pounds in seven days from a man we've never met. God is not defined by anything you have ever been through before. God is not defined by any circumstance you've lived through, any situation you've experienced, or the past that was before you. God opens up an expansive future to us and says, come on, come on, come and live life to the full. Come and live it in all its abundance. How do we hold on? Hebrews 10 tells us this. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. And let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encourage one another. 
How do you become the church you're called to be? Well, hold on. Hold on unswervingly. Unswervingly, get a hold of the clarity of vision and hold on to what God has said to you as a church and go after it with absolutely everything in you. If God can do it for us, he can do it for you. If God can do it for someone else, he can do it for you. But if he's done it for someone else, he's got something different for you. Because he works uniquely with each and every one of us. Hold on. Spur one another on. Man, you've got to come to church and be each other's best champion. We walked in this morning, we're going, what a great feel. Walking in the church, the, the, the vibe and the atmosphere in the room was fantastic. The tea was good, though I didn't have time to drink it. It was great. You come in, you go, this is, it's got a great feel. But spur each other on. Because we can go, hey, we got there. We're in a building program now. Our two and a half million pound building, we filled it. We filled it multiple times on a Sunday. We have to now rent other spaces to do everything else that we do. So we're in a new building program that two and a half looks like a walk in the park. Because this new one's going to cost us 14 and a half. But you don't do 14 and a half till you've done two and a half. And we didn't do two and a half till we'd had to find two grand a week to pay for rental when we started church and we didn't do that till we'd had to believe for salaries when we were working itinerantly and planted churches and we hadn't done that till we'd been youth pastors and we'd had to do a youth camp when we put things on the line and went this is going to cost us everything we've ever seen in the world and it felt like a lot of money then and we didn't do that when we were before we were bible college students and we had to believe I had to believe for a train fare to Aberdeen to get me there and to do that and I didn't do that before I'd learned to tithe You see, God takes us all on progressive journeys where he grows our faith. And how do we do it? We hold unswervingly and we spur each other on. I congratulate you for giving what you gave to Ukraine. Absolutely phenomenal. But one day you're going to look back and you're going to go, wow. Do you remember when we did that? Because now we've done this. And at the time, that was amazing. But now we look back and go, thank God we did that stretch then because we're now doing this stretch now. With God, we hold unswervingly, we spur one another on and we keep turning up. Keep turning up. Do you know the, the most frustrating thing as a pastor of a local church is wanting everybody to come. And you want everybody to come, not because it makes you feel good. You want everybody to come because you want everybody to come. Because you've realized that when everybody comes, it's amazing what everybody coming does for everybody who comes. Because you turn around and you think, boy, everyone's here. And if everyone's here, the fear of missing out kicks in. Oh, boy, you want to be there. Don't want to miss Sunday. Because what, what if this is a Sunday that God turns up and does that? And what if this, and then you hear a Sunday, like we're away this Sunday. And I'm dreading hearing how good church was. Why? Because you keep on turning up. 
and you keep on being who you are and playing your part and serving the way you serve and the church thrives and grows and brings life. I'm nearly done, like really nearly done, not a preacher's nearly done, all right? Let us hold. What I want to encourage you to do, three simple things. Number one, we all need someone to help us hold on. We can't do this faith journey, this Christian life alone. We all need someone. And if everyone needs someone, that doesn't mean you need someone. That means you need to be someone, someone. Shall I try that again? doesn't mean you need someone. It means everybody needs someone. So you need to be someone's someone. And if you can't be someone's someone, why are you expecting someone to be your someone? We need one another. Second thing we need to realize is don't let the past define anything. Speak a new name over things. Challenge things in you that are held back because of what was, not what is. Finally this. We hold on all together. The church. We hold on all together. One of the joys of my role, and most of my job life is spent in an office. You don't, the general manager role, I spend a lot of it in an office, working with a team. But the joy is seeing Assemblies of God. Because Assemblies of God is not the office. It's our churches. It's you. This is where we see who we are and this is where who we are makes the impact that is the most powerful it's not in a conference it's every Sunday and Monday it's every Tuesday and Wednesday and toddler group and food bank it's every small group it's every evangelism course it's every outreach program it's every moment of social justice it's every challenge of a youth club, youth event. It's every kids program. That's the church. And I want to thank you for choosing to be church. But we've got to do it together. So I want to pray. And uh, I am done, literally. Because I'm so done, I'm going to get the keyboard player up. Just, you know. Because that's the universal signal that a ministry is ending. <laughs> Doesn't matter where you go in the world. If the keyboard player gets up, everybody breathes a sigh of relief. <laughs> All right, oh, everybody's coming. Okay, everybody. Anybody else? Um, why don't you stand to your feet? You've got a great church, guys. Genuinely. You've got a great church. You've got brilliant pastors who are full of vision. We connect those two things together. It is that the limits come off. And I want to speak over you, the lifting off of limitations right now. So when you close your eyes across the room, if, if you are prepared to take the limits off, 
let me use some other language. If you're prepared to take the shackles of your past off the future of this church, would you just raise your hands like, however you want to raise them, maybe just, you're just saying, Lord, I don't want to hold this back. I, I want to champion it going forward. incredibly thankful for everything that's been done to get us here but everything that's been done was done to get us here to get us there Holy Spirit you're in this room right now sat on settled on the room we speak that Genesis creative moment in hearts and lives right now where you hover over just a word you redefine things you remake things you reshape things Father we pray the freedom from a glorious past into a phenomenal future Lord we pray and thank you for all that you have done but we face towards all you're going to do and we declare, King Jesus, you rule over our future as you reigned over our past. We speak all that you're going to do. We speak over this place. We pray that this quickly becomes too small. We declare it. We declare this building quickly becomes too small. It quickly becomes a limitation to be overcome. Father, we speak over um, the, the blessing that rolls from this town. We speak, Father God, that the redemption lift that comes when people find you. Lord, we pray over Newbridge, over these surrounding areas. Lord, we pray that education lift that happens because people find faith. And in finding you, it transforms every part of their lives. Lord, we pray ridiculous blessing. Lord, the kind of blessing that makes elders look and go, how did that happen? But Father, mostly we pray the freedom of your spirit. Holy Spirit, you're so welcome in this place. You're welcome to move. You're welcome to speak. And we declare... We're just here to hold on to you and to see where this goes in all the life and the movement of God. Father, we bless you. You are above all things and in all things and it is all yours. We thank you, Jesus. Amen.